Luke chapter 2 starts like this. It said, and it came to pass. If it was us writing the story, we'd be saying it came to be. Humanity today is so concerned about being somebody, what we're doing, what's happening. We'd be saying, and it came to be in those days, but God says it came, it came to pass. It always comes to pass with God because time is only a vehicle to get us to eternity. So it always comes to pass with God because God's not happy until we're together in eternity. So every moment that we're spending, God's just saying, well, that came to pass. That came to pass until the time, until time is fulfilled, until time is complete, and until we're ushered into that eternal realm. It's just always going to come to pass. It, it only came to pass. This morning, your prep time came to pass because God's just moving us through time so we can be a part of eternity together with Him. God's not going to be happy until humanity is together with Him. And I, I just want someone to realize whatever you're walking through this morning, it came to pass. It came to pass in your life so you would experience eternity. We're in the room together this morning on purpose, divine design. Not just coincidence, God's plan is being fulfilled. It came to pass. There went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone, unto his own city. And Joseph went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Almighty town of Bethlehem. Would you just pray one time together with me, Father? thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the power of your promise. You've already moved and worked in this room this morning. So we're asking that that seed that you've declared, which is the word of God, would land in the soil of somebody's heart today. And God, what grows from it would last beyond the moments that we have here together. But God, it would lead us into the kingdom of eternity. We give you thanks for this opportunity this morning. I give you thanks for this service. Don't allow us to be hasty, God. Don't let us mistake the moving of your spirit and just step on by it, God. Don't let us, don't let us not sense the tongues of fire, cloven tongues of fire that are resting on us. Don't let us become so accustomed to it that we miss it, God. Don't let us miss the wind of the spirit that's moving in our midst this morning because we're in a hurry, because we're on our own timeline. I pray, God, that your purpose would be fulfilled in the next few moments. If someone would just agree with that, we could believe it to be accomplished. And someone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. We are truly living in the most remarkable technological age. And uh, with current imaging software, we're able to actually walk back through time, back through uh, seasons. And, and if we were just to take the sky for a moment and look into the starry environment and the atmosphere around us, 
We have the ability now, some with our own phones, you can, you can download an app and go out and point your phone into the sky and it will tell you the different constellations, it will name the different stars. It's, it's quite remarkable, it's quite, quite incredible really. And with current imaging software, you're actually able to track back through time to the actual starry night skies of the time of Jesus' birth. It was Johannes Kepler who created the laws of planetary motion to predict when and, and what stars would be doing. And, and NASA still actually uses that uh, framework of information to determine when and how to launch rockets into orbit and beyond. And, and it's just this amazing age that we're living in. And, uh, you know, when we start to talk about the starry skies, we all get a little cautious. I grew up in church and there was none of this astrology stuff. There wasn't any of these, like, horoscopes determining what we're going to do for the day. That was the, the, none of that. This, the, and I'll just, I'll just go on record, still shouldn't be. Astronomy is acceptable. Astrology isn't. Astronomy is, a, is uh, taking a look at what's already there. Astrology is saying, well, I'm going to let that determine my path, my future, my intention, my activity for the day. No, 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 no. Someone shout No. But we're not talking about astrology this morning. We're talking about astronomy, the science of, of taking a look at the stars. The Bible in Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. Genesis 1.14, God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. So just, just let me emphasize for a minute. The stars are indicators, not directors. They're for indication, not direction. They're for signs. They're for understanding. They're signals of events. They're declarations of the divine intention. They are a signature of the omnipotence of God. God asked Job, one of the oldest books in your Bible, he said, uh, can you mirror the magnificent power of creation? He said, Job, can you bind the sweet influences of Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion? Can you create the constellations in the sky above? It was a rhetorical question, and God was declaring his omnipotence. He was saying, Job, when you're able to create the world that you're walking in, then we can talk. But until then, just realize that I'm working with you. I'm working on you. I'm working through you. I'm in control. And if you ever just need a little sign or a reminder, take a look heavenward and be reminded there's a greater God in greater control than what you're walking through right now. I'm I'm glad that we could use the same little reminder every now and then. We've got a greater God in control. The interesting thing about the planets and the stars is that from the moment that they were flung into space by an almighty God, they have moved and determined, defined, designated orbits like a magnificent timepiece in marvelous accord with one another, controlled by a God that is so infinitely amazing. I mentioned Kepler just a moment ago, but he, he learned about that timepiece and how the heavens were organized and orchestrated. And, and, and if you'll look back through his history, you'll find that one of the first things that Kepler tried to define and determine was the Bethlehem star. He, uh, he was off by a few years. We can't get, I can get really sidetracked right now because of all this information that, uh, yeah. Let me say, the planets and the stars move in incredible harmony together. But with this 
software that we have, we're able to track back through time to the original skies. And, and if you want to go in deeper today or you want to take it out a little bit further, you can look online. You can find a, a documentary called The Bethlehem Star, and, and you'll learn a little bit more about that. We'll talk in just a second. But, but the Bible does tell us that, that in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the, in the days of Herod the king. And it says, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Someone say star. So when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he determined of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, Bethlehem. Judea, why? Because it was written by the prophet, Thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem. And he said, Go and search diligently for the child that when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Well, we know from history that that was a lie. And that, uh, that software that we have now was in, uh, used by a, a non-astronomer. He was a lawyer by the name of Rick Larson who went to Scripture and he found nine characteristics of the star of Bethlehem. And with the aid of astrology and, sorry, astronomy. <laughs> that could have been bad. I told myself this morning, Jack, astronomy. <laughs> Mentioned astrology in the beginning and discard. However, with this astronomical astronomy software, <laughs> Gary Larson, or Rick Larson went back through time and tracked back through history because of the coordinated time that, that he's able to perform with this software. He went back and, and was able to find the time of Herod and, and see the actual skyline and the sky images that, that would have been there during that time. And what he found was incredibly remarkable. I, I'm not trying to minimize it this morning, but I don't have time to do it all justice today. But that the Bethlehem star was an actual astronomical event. There was a an alignment of the largest planet. They call it the king planet, Jupiter, and the mother planet, Venus. And those planets came into alignment, and they would have brought the, the appearance of the brightest star that anyone of that age would have observed in their lifetime. And, you were, you know, and, and he went on to say, Rick Larson went on to say and explain how that, that <clears throat> due to retrograde motion, that that star would have appeared to stand still over Bethlehem. It's incredible. You can watch the entire documentary about it. And, and, and we did here as a church. Maybe how many remember that we did that a few years ago? We watched it together. Uh, yeah, you remember like me. I said, we did? Where was I? But that star stopped. It's interesting that, that, um, that the king planet Jupiter actually circled the king star, Regulus. And that alignment in the night sky brought the most incredible view of the brightest star that had ever occurred to that point. And it definitely got the attention of these magi. And they left everything they were doing, hopped on camels and traveled hundreds of miles to Jerusalem to find out exactly where this child was. Incredible. 
And the weight of the moment is even more uh, structured and powerful when we realize and take into account everything that is happening around us. Herod, you think King Herod, he's done a lot for the Jews, but he's incredibly intimidated by anyone that may appear to take his throne. And now he's got wise men that are showing up that have traveled hundreds of miles just to find the king of the Jews. So he is obviously uh, very intimidated by any authority. And he immediately, he, he, he wants to know who this child is when you find him. Come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him. Well, we know that wasn't his intention at all. So we have this, this dynamic that's happening around Israel at this time. And John describes the picture in Revelation. It said there appeared, Revelation 12, 1, a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. John says that the woman that he saw was clothed with the sun and she had the moon at her feet. Now I really I'm just we're going to move briefly through that but but that picture actually happened in the sky according to that software that astronomy software that was when you can kind of map it out you can see these constellations that rise and and this is kind of a a new thing to me, because like I said, I didn't grow up with astrology. We all grew up with astronomy, P.S. The sky above us. But it said that in that 3 B.C. sky, the mystery of John's vision can be unlocked by looking. It says that the, the starry dance could be described. Jupiter was beginning... It's rise and the coronation of Regulus and, and the start of the symbol rose in that sky. There was a brand new year. We have the constellation of Leo, which is the lion, the tribe of Judah. Next, the constellation that rises in the east behind the lion is Virgo, the virgin. So when Jupiter and Regulus are first meeting, that, those constellations come into the sky. And literally, the sun is at the top of the constellation and the moon is at the bottom of her feet just like it's described in John. Pretty incredible. Not, not, not just a coincidence, I don't think. And I think it's quite interesting that, that when we begin to look through all that, that God has this divine plan and divine order and divine purpose. And, and, and you know, we're not trying to put all of our weight in the stars. We're not trying to do that. But I, I do think it's incredible that, that when you apply pressure to all of those scriptures about the star, that it still bears up and holds up. That God is in control. <laughs> God's in control. And we move through the story. Luke described it like this. It wasn't just the magi that were influenced. It says that they were in the same shepherd, in, in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for... Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you that you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go now even to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came in haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Lying in the manger. That was a sign to the shepherds. And uh, we've preached about this before, both Pastor and I, about the tower of the flock. And so to those shepherds, the instructions may, uh, may have appeared vague to us, but to them it was a very determined designated spot they weren't questioning the angels they they didn't put the you know the question mark on the hey hold on a minute before you head out can you can you let us know where what manger exactly that wasn't the case at all they they, they were they weren't questioning it says that they went and they found there was there was a determined gate that they had but there was a, a focus they knew where they were headed and and the prophet Micah told us that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem Ephrata. But when we put those pieces together, we find that Micah was even more specific than that. Micah 5 and 2, we already read it. Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler of Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. We talked about it last week, Jacob naming his boy Benjamin instead of what his dying mom called him, Benoni. And when Jacob buried his wife in Bethlehem, the scripture gives us this information. It continues on, Genesis 35, 21. And Israel journeyed and spread his tent beyond the tower of Edar, the tower of the flock. That tower was a specific tower. It was, it was known to everybody. The, the watchtower for the shepherds to watch over their flocks grazing in the surrounding countrysides. But it was even more important than that because this wasn't just any little hamlet in Israel. This was Bethlehem. And Bethlehem had a distinct purpose. Bethlehem had a distinct plan. God had his hand on little Bethlehem. We read about it from Micah. Micah had declared it from eons ago. The littlest of of the cities, the smallest of the towns, but God had an intention for Bethlehem. Bethlehem was that place, if you'll look back through ancient Israel history and, and now even through scripture, we can, we can kind of unpack it a little bit. You'll find that, that there were many structures, but there was a very important structure. The, the tower of the flock was there in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, five miles out of Jerusalem, because in Jerusalem was where the temple was. And the temple's plan, the purpose of the temple was for the sacrifice to be made so the sins of Israel could be moved one year further down, down, the, down the year, down, the, down through time, just pushing the sin of Israel further. And that tower of the flock had a very distinct purpose, but not just that tower. The shepherds that minded the sheep in that Bethlehem countryside had a very distinct role. It wasn't just any lamb that was being raised in Bethlehem. It was the perfect lambs that were being raised there. Because they were to take those lambs from those shepherds on the hillsides of Bethlehem. And they would bring them for inspection into the tower of the flock. And those lambs that met the criteria for perfection would be given to the priest in order for the sacrifices to be accomplished. It was a very... Very important place. 
We can come back to the music this morning. I'll just take Kathy. Those hundreds of lambs that were required for temple sacrifice. The need would be met from those hillsides of Bethlehem. And so is it just coincidence that Jesus was called, that Mary and Joseph were called to Bethlehem? No. It was a bigger plan, a bigger purpose, a bigger picture. And when those angels appeared, the seemingly insignificant shepherds on that hillside It was because their role would be to see the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The spotless, sinless, perfect lamb. They, were, they weren't just ordinary shepherds. They were incredible parts of the temple system. Without those shepherds, Israel had no sacrificial lambs for temple offerings. And it was those shepherds that the angels appeared to. This shall be a sign unto you. The lingo, the language, the vernacular made sense to them. The babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, would have confused everybody else. But it didn't confuse the shepherds. It made perfect sense. This was the spotless lamb. This lamb would take away the sins of the world. This lamb, this lamb would undergo the inspection of every other lamb by the same shepherds that would have watched as those, those little lambs were birthed and they would say, whoa, this is a perfect one. This one meets the criteria. This one we've got to care for. Let's wrap it in swaddling clothes. Let's make sure that nothing happens to it. Let's make sure that we protect it because this lamb could be the lamb that removes the sin off of Israel for yet one more world. So is it just a coincidence that it was those shepherds that the angels appeared to and sent them to a manger in Bethlehem? No, it wasn't a coincidence. That little tiny town of Bethlehem housed the spotless, sinless lamb. They knew exactly where to go. They knew exactly what to do. Mike had gone on in chapter 4 and verse 8. He said, And thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion. The kingdom shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. Is all going to happen out of that tower. Coincidence? No, it wasn't a coincidence. Little tiny town? Absolutely. But isn't that the way that God usually works? Doesn't he pick the insignificant to perform the significant from? Doesn't he, doesn't he gotta take the, the, the things that we overlook and the things that we pass by without a purpose and an intention? Isn't it that, aren't we all Bethlehem today? Just a little lacking, don't meet the criteria, don't match up, don't meet up, don't connect. Come on, we don't, we don't meet the goal, the criteria required. But God says, that's the one that I can use. That's where I can perform my power from. That's where I can release my glory from. I can't use pride, but I can use humility. So I'm going to the least of the thousand because I want to release my greatness from there. Those shepherds had trained their entire lives for that moment. Luke's original audience 
would have picked up immediately on that. The sacrificial lamb. Remember it one more time. Let me call your remembrance to the season for Israel. They're in the fists of Rome. Caesar is barking his orders. Herod has heralded his own kingdom. The significance of the little town of Bethlehem seems eclipsed by the power struggles surrounding it. But don't mistake it. 2,000 years later, the most important place on the map is the mighty town of Bethlehem. Herod has positioned himself like the dragon to destroy any kingly contenders. He's positioned to destroy the child, but not just any child. If he needs to, he'll destroy every child. It's beast versus baby, but we already know the end of the story 2,000 years later because it wasn't just any child. Isaiah had said it like this, unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. That part is normal, but it's not just any baby. Isaiah went on to say, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That is who we're preaching a little bit about this morning. We're not talking about the insignificant. We're talking about the mighty. The mighty can come out of the insignificant. Caesar, with all of your power. It's just so you can utter one decree of taxation that will bring Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. Herod, with all of your power and position, you won't even be able to stop the birth of a single little baby boy. Why? Because God's got a plan. It's God's plan in motion. And you may think like you're calling the shots, but it's God just moving you across the chessboard of time to accomplish his purpose. I want someone to realize, I know, it seems like everything is out of control right now it feels like the world is in absolute chaos but I just want to remind somebody God's got it all in control the king is on the throne so why shepherds Herod could only see him as a rival king Caesar could only see it as a rival kingdom But the shepherds could see it as a spotless lamb slain from the foundation of the world. We're getting ready to have communion. Revelation 12, verse 7, we already read about it. But if you'll skip down to verse 11, it tells us about the ability to overcome. It says they overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto the death. Somebody hear me this morning. The blood is still enough. The reason we have this entire story is because it was part of the plan for God to shed His blood for all of humanity. The spotless lamb born in that little stable in Bethlehem. Those shepherds that found him in a manger, wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Come on, that, that king came to die for you and I. This kingdom has a greater purpose than any of us could imagine. The astronomy world's buzzing right now. 
It's about an event that is happening in the stars right now. Event it hasn't occurred in some 800 years. It's it's called the Bethlehem Star. And one more time, it hasn't happened in over 800 years. One more time, that king planet of Jupiter is moving. And this is an actual picture from this morning. Right now, if you had a good pair of binoculars or a telescope, you could peer into the sky if it wasn't cloudy. And you'd be able to literally see Saturn and Jupiter coming into alignment. And tomorrow night, they're saying that the Bethlehem star will come on the horizon for the first time in 800 years, they will appear, those planets will appear so close together that it's indiscernible by the naked eye. And it will be the brightest star today, right now, tomorrow, December the 21st, Jupiter and Saturn are coming into alignment. Now, again, would someone please say he's not talking about astrology? We're talking about astronomy. But I... I Matthew 24, 30 says, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in the heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And, and we don't have time to re-preach pastor's message about worn out and how the spirit of the Antichrist is active and at work in our world today. How that he is pushing and pressing against the church and, and everything that's happening around us is so chaotic right now because the devil knows his time is short. I don't have time to preach that message. Go watch it again at lunch. Phenomenal. Wonderful. So we don't have time for that. But what I do have time for this morning is to remind us that God is still in control. And could it be that he allows a sign in the skies to come just one more time after 800 years to let us all know that he's still at work that when he flung the stars into space thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years ago he knew that we'd be living right where we are in 2020 and that somehow in maybe the worst year of our lives on the darkest day on the longest night December the 21st winter solstice is Come on, it's in full bloom that in that longest night that the brightest star will shine on the longest, come on, in the longest night. We're talking about that star being revealed and released. It's going to happen on the longest night. Zechariah said, at the evening time, it shall be light. I wonder if God just said, oh, let's, let me give you a little sign that I want you to know I'm still in control. I know we're wishing 2020 goodbye. We're going to have a bonfire with our mask, but I want someone else to know this morning that God's in control and he's just letting you know, oh, bring on the darkest of the dark night in the worst year that you've ever walked through, but in the middle of that night, I'm just going to... Even the non-Christians, even the atheists are calling it the Bethlehem star. They can't, come on, they can't explain it. You can't coordinate something like that. But on this year, in that moment, God said, oh, I'm just going to do a little. I got to say, God's got it all in 
control today. Bethlehem, you didn't understand what was happening. Herod, you thought you were ruling. Caesar, you thought you were constructing. But underneath all of it, God was saying, I'm releasing my promise. I'm releasing my power. The promise is still unto us today. They're calling it the great conjunction. The Bethlehem star. Getting ready to end this. We're going to have communion together. But thou Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. A lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God's plan. My final note on Bethlehem is often we overlook that, last, that second part, Ephrata. We know Bethlehem, it's the house of bread. The place of David's anointing, it's the place where Ruth returns to meet Boaz and God releases the promised lineage. We know Bethlehem. But it isn't just, this is just the way God works. Bethlehem, Ephrata. Ephrata, we mentioned the first week how that it means ash heap, but there's a double meaning to that word. It's also the fruit of the vine. And I don't think it's a coincidence this morning that as we finish this, I, I mentioned a few weeks ago, I'd like to do communion a little early. Let's do it this Sunday just before Christmas if we could. Because Bethlehem, the house of bread, we, we have that image that some people call it a sacrament, but we have that emblem, emblem that we hold in our hand to represent the body of Christ broken body of Christ. Then we also have that wine that represents his blood. I, I just found it so interesting that, that Bethlehem represented Bethlehem Ephrata represented both the, the bread and the fruit of the vine. And that those are the two symbols that we use to, to represent his broken body and his blood that shed for our sins. And all wrapped up in the beginning part of that story declared by the old prophet Micah thousands of years before, hundreds of years before. We have the promise that comes to us. So as we stand together, pastor's going to join me on the platform. I thank you for your kind attention today. But please don't check out. Because this is going to work, I believe, in harmony with what God wants to do this morning. If God could create a story like that for people like us, then he's not finished yet. And when all the chaos is being declared in the world around us, God's just touching down on this Sunday morning to let somebody know, I've got it all in control.
The governments that are ruling aren't in control. The leaders calling the shots aren't in control. It's all happening so God can accomplish his purpose. His purpose, it's just coming to pass. And so we pause in the midst of the sermon this morning. We're going to inspect our hearts. We're going to look ourselves look at ourselves very deeply in the mirror of our spirit. We want God to shine the spotlight of his words so deep in our hearts that we can find everything that may not be right because we want to lay it out before God and we want to cover it with the blood. Whatever challenge or struggle that you're facing, whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of his, our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed it's all part of the package we get to claim the promise this morning so we're going to begin to pray together but I want us just to pause somebody realize God's God's working for me oh how he loves us come on oh So from the front to the back, would you begin to pray with me? I'm going to ask Pastor if he'll join me on the platform. Or actually in front of the platform, that may be easier. But would you just begin this simple prayer of repentance together with me? Father, I thank you for every heart that's heard your word this morning. And we've just plucked a little story out of history. God, your story to remind us how much you are in control. And just that simple lesson today may bring someone the courage to make the right decision to allow you into their life, to lead them, to ordain the path that's before them, and God, that all these events will come to pass so we can spend eternity with you. Thank you for this moment that we have. I pray that the promise of Bethlehem, Ephrata would land in this room so someone can receive it this morning, we pray. In your name we ask these things.